Welcome to Brand Story, Inc. I'm your host, Jay Sharman. Every week, we sit down with smart folks to talk about innovative ways they are creating content to connect with their audiences. I'd like to say every company can be a media company, and this conversation hopefully helps you understand why. Today on Brand Story, Inc., I'm delighted to welcome David Minkin, the Vice President of Strategic Planning and Delivery and General Manager of The Exchange at Wall Street Journal Barron's Group. Since 1999, David has been involved in digital sales, both direct and programmatic, while involved in revenue operations, business planning, strategy, general management for a number of number of digital media publications, including the likes of The Atlantic, Forbes.com, The Economist, and a slew of others. David, a man after my own heart, an entrepreneur, is also the co-founder and former publisher of Breaking Media, the parent company of DealBreaker.com, AboveTheLaw.com, and Fashionista.com, to name a few. Welcome to the show, David. Thanks so much, Jay. I'm really excited to be here today. Well, we're excited, too, to have you. We've had such great guests from Wall Street Journal, Barron's Group in the past. And I think to kind of start there, some of the context for our listeners is key on this episode. I mean, you just heard what David does in his background. Yet for new listeners, it might be worth bookmarking a couple of other podcasts. Last year, we had Paul Sigrakes, the head of The Trust, Wall Street Journal's custom content studio, then a few weeks ago, in January of 2021, we had Chief Revenue Officer Josh Stinchcomb on Brand Story Inc. to talk about the interplay between Wall Street Journal's content studio and the macro perspective of media publishing and advertising with a lens on branded content. So today, we're going to complete the WSJ Barron's Masterclass Triumvirate by diving into the exchange <laughs> and some digital ad products. And the goal here, as always, is to benefit you, the marketing execs, content agency leaders, and agency folks to make it as applicable as possible. So with that long-winded caveat, I welcome you. And David, tee things up for us. What is the exchange and how does it fit into the Wall Street Journal Barron's branded content ecosystem? Yeah, so thanks again. Uh, so, you know, uh, I'll start by saying that, um, you know, the way we've organized um, our 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 sales team. So this is the team that's under Josh Stinchcomb is really in two halves. So uh, on one side, we have uh, what I'd call the custom solutions group and, and internally and externally, we refer to that as the trust. Mm-hmm. And that's what Paul, Paul runs. So you spoke with Paul, that's, that's his jurisdiction. It's dedicated to content creation, innovative editorial event sponsorships, those sorts of things, uh, very high touch. Um, on the other side of the barbell, though, uh, that's what we call the exchange, and this is my world. Uh, so it's really our suite of uh, increasingly automated products. Uh, a lot of our uh, products that leverage first-party data uh, or are highly focused on ad tech, um, those come from uh, the exchange side of this barbell, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and that's that's where I live. Let's crystallize this with a success story here so we can go from theory to practice. Can you share a case study that exemplifies kind of the best of what the exchange is doing these days? Yeah. So, you know, I think um, one of the the products that I think we've had the most success with in the exchange is a product we call Thematic. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Thematic basically leverages Dow Jones, Factiva, Data, and Taxonomy. Dow Jones owns this product, Factiva, uh, and it provides a best-in-class contextual targeting solution for our clients. So uh, we routinely see when we apply thematic uh, click-through rates for line items, you know, that 
north of 3x our benchmarks. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, actually, I was just reviewing recent reports for two of our larger B2B partners, uh, and they were uh, approaching 4x, actually, that benchmark. Mm -hmm. So we're really excited about the results we see from Thematic, and the demand for Thematic uh, from our clients has been increasing tremendously uh, since we launched it uh, last year or so. Um, so it's just, it's one of the products that we're most excited about. It's it's one of our first products and, and we're just seeing great traction with it. So give us in layman's terms what Thematic is and what it does for the non-digital ad product yeah, uh, set out there. Sure. So basically, uh, so as I said, Dow Jones owns uh, Factiva mm -hmm. and Factiva basically uh, looks at content, not just content coming in from uh, being published by Dow Jones, but Factiva has licenses with publishers, thousands of publishers. So every day, thousands of pieces of content are going through the Factiva system. And uh, via Factiva, there's a very sophisticated sort of uh, AI that is tagging these articles to understand true contextual relevancy. So it's not just using simple keywords or anything like that. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really understanding what the meat of the article is about. Uh, and so uh, we have leveraged this AI uh, for our, you know, for our own content, because our own content is in fact Tiba. Uh, and what that allows us to do is to create a contextual targeting uh, product that is frankly much smarter uh, than a lot of the other sort of contextual uh, targeting products that exist out there uh, in the ad tech ecosystem. And it's really because of this AI that's been trained on these thousands upon thousands upon thousands of sources uh, and continues to be trained constantly. Um, so it, it's just a very, very intelligent product. So as we zoom out for a minute, I'd love to get your take at the big picture of digital media ad products, knowing that Many of the people listening um, are not tech-based folks. Like conceptually mm -hmm. understand, and I'd be one of them. Conceptually understand what ad products are, the, the need that they serve, um, but may not know the categories or types, or or even more macro. Where are we in the evolution of yeah. and sophistication of ad products? Yeah. So you know, I think we're in a super exciting time right now. Um, the end of the third-party cookie is on the horizon. Mm -hmm. uh, and that means that a lot of the ad tech infrastructure that's been built up over the last decade or so is now has to be completely reimagined. Um, and so that alone is super exciting. And then you add to that the interesting and sort of, um, you know, the productive thinking being applied to the changing privacy landscape. And I mean, that's a, it's a headache for a lot of us in the industry. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, it, it, it's it's what the consumer is looking for. And so you, you put these things together and, you know, the way I look at it, at least from a Dow Jones perspective, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, the Wall Street Journal Barron's group within Dow Jones, you know, we're kind of in an enviable position, I'd say. Mm -hmm. You know, we sit on this mountain of first party data. Uh, we're now regularly leveraging this for our ad clients. Uh, but we know that there's so much more of this data for us to tap into. So we're just starting to skim the surface. And then on top of that, you know, we have, we're part of News Corp. Mm -hmm. we, we have the resources of News Corp behind us. Um, and that only further accelerates, uh, I would say, our advancement. And perhaps more importantly, it, it means that we, uh, as News Corp, as Wall Street Journal Barron's group, we have a, a meaningful seat at the table when it comes to conversations 
with the platforms, uh, with the government, uh, and with the industry groups. And so, you know, you put all to the all this together, and it's there's a lot of change happening right right now. But I think that you know, as a company, the Wall Street Journal Barons Group is is just in a really stellar position. Well, I want to go there, uh, jump ahead a little bit. You you touched on it. And at the risk of turning this into an advertisement, you know, you've got the suite of products, right, that are based on audience segmentation, AI, dashboard reporting, all within your own walled garden, to use a cliche term um, from social media land of within Barron's Wall Street Journal. So how does this interplay and how do you look at social media knowing that you have such a wall around your own first party data? How does your company look at social media platforms? Yeah, so I mean – you know, we are, I would say our proprietary tools are exactly that. I mean, they, they, they are within our ecosystem. So they they themselves aren't interplaying at all really with anything going on with social media. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, from an advertiser perspective, I think it's safe to say that one of the, the key attractions for advertisers who want to work with social platforms, social media platforms is the scale, right? Mm-hmm. And so, while scale is obviously important to us at Wall Street Journal Barron's group, what's more important is the quality of our audience. Right. And so these days we've been thinking more about audience as a community or layer of communities. And so we as a publisher, uh, or I should say, so yes, we are a publisher, but we're also now thinking of ourselves as a quote unquote uh, community platform. Mm-hmm. And we believe that community has to be built on trust and purpose and so again you know at kind of the wall street journal barons group our purpose as the way we've kind of defined it is to provide information and insights that facilitate decision making and so for the advertisers who work with us and want to work with us they want to plug into these communities and this purpose and i think that's a really it, it, that that is a, like a really powerful thing and it serves a much different purpose than, you know, say, running ads on a social media platform. Yeah, no, and, and I think it's interesting because to your point, it's, it's kind of almost comical when I hear you talk about, you know, scale. Because right. to 99% of the world, you are scale, right? Like to the, yeah. to, <laughs> right, outside of the platform. And when to your point, I think it's targeted scale, right? The 90 right. plus percent of your yep. readership, C-suite, you guys own the C-suite, right? Like yep. you yep. own the decision makers. And it's, it's one of the most... Easy to understand examples of, and it's almost unfair to, to, right? Because I think a lot of the people that we talk with on here are much more niche and like, you know, within the C-suite sliver, if you're a brand who has a content studio and you're trying to get to a certain type of decision maker, right? They may advertise with you, but then on their own, they're trying to get directly to the consumer. And so it's, it's, it's almost comical because I look at you as you have scale and to your point, I think and you just touched on it and what I've talked about with your colleagues is that, and you're already starting to do it is, is the real power coming in kind of building community. Um, and so you touched on this around purpose, uh, but I want to go there, right? I mean, obviously, um, in light of the uncertainty and chaos Mm -hmm. and change we've been dealing with in the media recently, uh, number of factors, right? Government, coronavirus, um, brand safety is obviously, a key selling point and rising to the top. Um, talk about where advertisers, you know, maybe less so. We'll do we'll do this in two ways. Let's talk first about okay. you and where yeah. where you see the opportunity for your company as it relates around this kind of brand safety and how important you're hearing that is right now in the marketplace. I mean, 
Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I, you, you, you listed off some of the, the reasons why brand safety is so important right now. I mean, there's so much going on. There's so much uncertainty in the world. Um, you know, brand safety is top of mind. It's a top of mind issue for um, a, a lot of advertisers, if not all of them, uh, especially right now. Um, there's a lot of reasons, I'd say, to be mindful of where uh, your message is appearing. Um, but I'd also argue that, you know, a lot of the current approaches used by our industry are more costly than they need to be mm -hmm. uh, for both publishers and for advertisers. Um, How you know, so? Th well, there's there's this ecosystem of so much content. It's It's complicated for our advertisers to determine, you know, where is a brand safe environment? Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, we have, we know at, at Wall Street Journal Barron's group, we have great first party data. With us, you're in a brand safe environment, but you're reaching the target audience because of that scale. Uh, and we have, you know, a record number of subscribers because of all the, all mm -hmm. the people that are just really hung, hungry for, for, for our quality news. So, um, you know, I would say like advertisers need to work with reputable premium publishers because that alone uh, will knock down a lot of the uncertainty they have in terms of like, oh, is this a brand safe environment or is it's not a brand safer environment? You know, if you're an advertiser who's just blindly buying hundreds of thousands of sites via the open exchange, let's say, mm -hmm. you know, you're not putting yourself really in a, in a safe environment by default because there are only so many premium publishers out there uh, and you know it's not like you as a human can can track what all these myriad of, of you know publishers you're buying via the open are actually um what they're publishing what they're talking about uh we actually uh created an internal tool or uh, a tool internally i should say uh called safe suite and um the idea is basically that we can take a keyword block list, which is, you know, what most advertisers are using it to ensure brand safety. We can take that block list from an advertiser and we can optimize it specifically for our content based. Uh, we've, we've trained uh, and continue to train uh, the SafeSuite product to understand uh, brand safety, much like we were doing with thematic uh, to understand the context of an article. We've been training this AI to understand um, what what is safe for an advertiser uh, and so we can take this block list from an advertiser and then we can um, spit out a what we would refer to as an optimized block list generally it's a shorter block list uh, but what that means for an advertiser is uh, they're not leveraging the sort of one size fits all brand safety solution because mm -hmm. you know I would I would argue that you know for instance the Wall Street Journal is not the same as you know mm -hmm. random site on the web like Right. It's, it shouldn't be one size fits all. Uh, and it also means for an advertiser that you know, we can unlock more of your audience on our platform. We've talked about scale there. Uh, and it also means, you know, and this is where I think it's been really exciting for us. Uh, it means that because we've unlocked more inventory, uh, it's given our advertisers uh, more opportunity to optimize uh, and so what we've seen is, uh, you know, in the case of like the KPI being click through rates, we've seen better click through rates when when leveraging the safe suite tool. Um, so can I jump in there for a little yeah, yeah, term sure. interjection here? Because I, I yeah. can play the, uh, you know, yeah. the guy who's not the ad tech guy here pretty well, because yeah, I'm not. So, for example, let's just use something like coronavirus. 
right? Yep. Um, yep. Advertisers have block lists that say, I don't want to be mm-hmm. associated with coronavirus. So take that and take Safe Suite and tell me, you know, say I'm a commercial real I'm just making up an example. I'm a commercial real estate company, wants to advertise with you, mm-hmm. but I have a block list of coronavirus. If I'm understanding you correctly, there's obviously there's nuance in that and there may be opportunity where I should be inserted in the conversation because it could be beneficial to me. And that's is right. that is that what we're talking about here? That that's partially what we're talking about. I think another example that I that I often use when talking about this, um, you know, in in, in meetings and whatnot uh, with clients, is um, the word "kill." Mm-hmm. Uh, we we see that on so many uh, block lists. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you could easily imagine uh, an article that says, uh, you know, this advertiser is 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 killing it in their industry mm-hmm. uh, and with this new product or whatnot. And like, in that sense, like kill isn't a bad word, but actually <laughs> right. that, that's a, that means they're doing great. Right. And so, you know, the, the keyword block lists that are historically used um, by advertisers and agencies, I, I think, you know, don't, don't necessarily take in that nuance. Mm-hmm. And that's where safe suite really comes in is uh, it has the ability to really understand, well, what is, what is the what are the words in the article actually getting at mm-hmm. uh and does it make sense for you to be blocking a word like kill and actually what safe suite also does I, I don't want to say it just removes words from the block list or suggests words for removal we'll also say maybe instead uh you want to um you know add a word you want instead mm-hmm. of kill maybe you want to use the word i don't know violent or mm-hmm. something like that mm-hmm. uh which is a little more um uh, you know, less gray, I mm-hmm. would say, mm-hmm. in terms of, of its nuance. So um, that's really what Safe Suite's getting at. So clearly, right, look, I mean, obviously you guys have competition, but when it comes to penetrating the C-suite, creating custom content solutions, like you're at the head of the class, right? So I say that as a, as a backdrop here to kind of tap into your other centeredness here in, in the macro sense of ad tech. Think of a, you know, small a media publisher that's that's highly niche, right? As it relates to ad tech, what advice would you have for them um, at you know kind of where we are in 2021 right now in terms of things they should be thinking about at the C-suite level as a media publisher as it relates to advertising and ad technology? Hmm. You know, I think that, um, look, I, I, I think that it, for us, it's been about, you know, as I said before, it's, it's come down com- to community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, and I've worked at, you know, big publishers, I've worked at startups. Um, and I think where we've always had success um, is this understanding of building not just an audience, but really building that audience into a community. Mm-hmm. And then how that relates uh, to the ad tech side, you know, I see many uh many a publisher, um, none that I worked for, mm-hmm. um, you know, really just, um, frankly, I, I, I think farm out everything to third party ad tech vendors. And that's not necessarily the worst thing in the world. I mean, mm-hmm. especially if you're a smaller publisher, mm-hmm. you, you know, you don't have the options, but I, I, I think you want to keep in mind this community and you want to, because that's really your most valuable asset. You want to think about, um, you know, how does the integration or how does this path forward with this ad tech vendor or this ad tech, te- ad tech technology, how does it, um, you know, how does it affect this community? And uh, is it something that helps 
foster the community or is it something that will ultimately be detrimental to it? Uh, and I think if you're eroding that community, um, you know, you need to really think twice about whether uh, this is the sort of ad tech solution that you want to move forward with. Well, I'm so glad to hear, you know, the guy who's the GM of the exchange, right, talking about community because, I, I mean, that's that's the flag that I carry here, right? I mean, they, that's yeah. the throughput on anyone that comes on here. I mean, it's it's my central thesis on those that are going to win the long game do that, right? If yeah, Barron's or Wall Street Journal's uh, takes, you know, an opinion and says you should we're, we're doing an event and we want you to come here, people come because of the brand yeah. trust you've built and, right. and those type of things, right? And, you know, I, you see it all the time. It's the old um, – I'm not that fond of Barstool, but it's a great example, yeah. right? Yeah. They, yeah. they they say buy a T-shirt, next day 50,000 are sold, and it's not yeah. 50,000 times 20 bucks for a million-dollar value. It's the ability to get 50,000 people to do a thing on command yeah. that has yeah. you know, 10, it's, 20, it's 50x value, right? That's right. It's convening power. That's convening power. Is. You're so much more efficient with words than I am. It's well said. So, so to that end, though, like let's talk. Let's stay there for a second. What excites yeah. you right now? Like, what's on the horizon? What are the things that you're looking at in the ad tech world that that can supercharge that um, community power that are coming down the pike? Yeah, um, you know, uh, you know, we talked about before. You know, I think you know these things on the horizon. Whether it's the end of the third party cookie. Uh, whether it's the increase in sort of this balkanized privacy regulations and whatnot, like all these things I think are, are front and center, what every publisher needs to be focused on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I do think there's a sort of, and, and Josh uses this word, Josh Sinchcomb uses this word, uh, uh, which I, and I like it because he's the only person I've ever heard use the word. And I, I think it's a great word. The trifurcation uh, <laughs> of the industry uh and you know it's whether you know it's the big platforms who will continue to take the overall share of Mm -hmm. the digital spend it's you know the focus publishers uh who you know they have a loyal paying audience with real insight and deterministic data uh that they can share with advertisers and um you know you can refer to them as the haves right Mm -hmm. and then there's like everyone else which Mm -hmm. i think are the haves and the Mm have-nots so you know, for us, uh, and I, I think we're doing it, but for us, at Wall Street Journal Barron's group, you know, we want to avoid living in that third bucket. Mm-hmm. And and I think all publishers should want to avoid living in that third bucket. And to do that, though, you need to be building a large paying audience. You need to be able to understand and segment them for your advertising clients. Mm-hmm. And you need to show real value and performance um, to um, both our clients and our readers. Um, and, and so I think that sort of framing of kind of where we are in the world and, and kind of, you know, how to categorize where you are, especially as a, as a publisher or platform is, is really key to understanding, well, what's the, what's the path forward. And, and again, you, if you're in that third bucket, the have nots, I'm not sure what your path forward is, to be honest. I, I, I don't know. I think you should be doing everything possible to get into that second bucket, get into the halves, uh, because I think that's where success lies. You know, yeah, well, to your point, right, that comes with, I think, the data and segmentation and being able to articulate and know mm-hmm. who's in your community so you can convey that. And therefore, the that's value right. prop is 
is a good step, right? Especially for those right. independent, you know, media publishers. I got I got to go there. It's I know it's it's a little off tangent here. It's a little tangential, but it's got to be fascinating for you being at the head of um, Wall Street Journal, Barron's kind of ed, ad tech. Coming back to your days from when you were uh, at some a startup, you know, when you started, uh, you know, back in the day, you know, breaking mm-hmm. media. I mean, talk about the contrast of where we are and <laughs> those days from where we've come from uh, around this topic, around the sophistication and level of what it takes to sit across <clears throat> from an advertiser and get them to buy into what you're selling. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a that's an interesting question. So, I mean, I think we launched Breaking Media, I want to say, DealBreaker.com launched uh, early 2006, maybe late 2005. I'm trying to remember exactly. Um, but, um, you know, to be honest, I mean, we were just trying to survive. Uh, so, uh, you know, it was, I was excited if I got a deal of for a few thousand dollars, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm talking low four figures and that right. would make my day. Um, and, um, you know, at that time there, there was programmatic didn't exist yet. Right. Um, you know, I was dealing with the occasional ad network and whatnot. Uh, but, uh, you know, so a lot of this stuff, uh, really, it wasn't so much on, on my mind because it frankly didn't exist. I think, um, by the time, uh, I was leaving breaking media towards, I don't know, I guess that was around like 2010 ish or so maybe 2011. Um, I feel like that's when programmatic was really starting to bubble up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we were so small, um, even, you know, then, uh, you know, relative to, you know, a Wall Street Journal Barron's group that, uh, I have printer sound going off in the background trying to distract us. It's like, you know, even though it's 2021, we still need a little bit of, uh, you know, background noise to kind of, of course, somehow the printer's more real. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I, I, I think it's just a very, uh, you know, we were just, we were just in a completely on a different plane mm-hmm. uh, than where we are now, but because of uh, the size of the publisher, but also because of just, um, you know, where our industry was 10 years ago versus today. Um, and, you know, if I was at, um, and I'm still very close with uh, my, my colleagues and former colleagues over at breaking media, mm-hmm. you know, if I was over there now, um, you know, I, I would have the same advice for them, and I do give them the same advice that I, I have, you know, that I've said right now in this conversation that, you know, the focus is on community and it's building that community. And, you know, I, whether you're a breaking media and you're a small, mm-hmm. smallish niche B2B mm-hmm. site or you're a WSJ Barron's group, you know, a largish B2B mm-hmm. site, um, I think, you know, that B2B is really key because that is that's the community that that we're glomming onto here. And thing that most excites you this year, twenty twenty one, in the ad tech space. Um, you know, I I think that I really want to see where this is all going. Um, I think that there's a real opportunity with what's going on with the third party cookie, with with what's going on with identity, that um with privacy that the publisher can take back um, some of the power that they've, they've lost over, you know, mm-hmm. what the past 20 years or so. Um, I think it, it's an opportunity to kind of 
refocus the balance. Uh, and, you know, when I look at, you know, a WSJ Barron's group, and and especially as part of a larger News Corp organization, and I see this, the conversations that we're having across the industry, um, you know, it, it, it gives me hope that, um, you know, we're, we're on the verge of, of, of bringing some of this, uh, of, of changing the balance a bit to, to bring the balance back to the publishers. Uh, and and to me that's super exciting. I've always been on the publisher side, mm-hmm. and so I'm always I'm always rooting for the publishers. And just to be clear, there, right? And so for the listeners out there, most people are aware of at a top level that uh, as it relates to privacy, the ability of third party cookie and tracking is going away, right? And so yep. that, to that end, if I'm hearing you correctly, what you're saying is like there was this element of chasing, right? So if somebody mm-hmm. comes on, you have cookies enabled, you're able to then go chase them across the internet and claim them as a viewer regardless of the quality of that and I, I think what you're getting at is as a publisher being the convener having people come to you and the value of that being further yeah. increased is that is that, that where you're going totally, with this that's yeah absolutely and i also think though you know similarly like you know i can you know i can be uh, i you know if everybody's leveraging third-party uh audience targeting mm-hmm. i i you know i at wsj barons group might be uh, targeting a person using this third-party data. Um, but random, like, sketchy site on the web mm-hmm. might be doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, there, there's a lack of differentiation there. Whereas when you move to a world where it's all dependent on first party, like, suddenly, like... Right. That that random sketchy site they don't they they can't play that same game anymore. Right. Uh, and and where you see the value is in a, is in a premium publisher like a Wall Street Journal Barron's group because we do have this first party data so um, it, it 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 shifts the balance even among publishers. Very cool. So now we flip from tech talk to the personal fluffy stuff, David, and I, I got to ask you about your morning must. So this is the segment where you share your favorite social follows, industry sources. I've done this with your colleagues. So obviously, WSJ and Barron's are tops on your list. Of course. But as it relates to ad tech, um, you know, who are the people or the people yeah. in your community or sources that, that you use to stay on top of things? Yeah. So, I mean, it's probably pretty obvious, but I mean, my, my daily read is, is ad exchanger. I think that's, mm-hmm. that's true for a lot of people in my, my area. Um, uh, Brian Morrissey has a, a newish newsletter uh, that he pu- uh, publishes on Substack that uh, I've been reading. And I think is very well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, there's the newsletter uh, Branded um, that I think is uh, uh, an excellent look at what's going on, especially around brand safety. Uh, Matt Goldstein uh, has a quarterly newsletter that I get that I think is very good. That's called uh, What I Saw Happen. Mm. Uh, and it's always very uh, provoking. Um, and then, um, you know, I started my career in ad operations mm-hmm. uh, in, in the 20th century uh, before it was called ad operations. Um, but uh, I always have a soft spot in my heart for, for ad ops. And um, I think happen, Happens in Ad Ops is, is one of my favorite reads. So Awesome. Uh, yeah, so those those are my go to newsletters, and then and when it, and then I love Twitter. Um, so um, uh, Steph Laser, who's my colleague over at News Corp, mm-hmm. uh, I think she always has very interesting and, and great points of view that uh, I enjoy uh, conversing with her about. Uh, and then uh, Ari Paparo from uh, Beeswax is another great follow on Twitter, who's who's always got an interesting point of view uh, that's worth reading. Awesome. 
you know, this is my poor man's curation. I'm using <laughs> I use handwritten notes as opposed to AI. I'm just writing them down. So, yeah, big fan of Brian. He's a past guest on here as well. So, oh, great. Yeah, he's the best. He's great. Uh, all right, bedside book stand. Just for fun, what's on the just read or want to read pile? <laughs> so I actually I just finished a book uh, yesterday, the day before. Uh, totally not related to the industry. No, uh, called, that's what we like. Uh, yeah. Uh, Desert Oracle, Desert Oracle. Okay. Uh, by Ken Lane. Uh, he's a uh, he was originally he was a former Gawker editor and moved out to the desert. Uh, I don't know how many years ago, uh, but it, it's a great great book uh, for anybody who has ever fallen in love with the desert and all the <laughs> wonder and weirdness that mm-hmm. goes with it. Um, I think you'll really appreciate that book. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, and then, uh, actually for, uh, the holidays, my boss just got me, uh, a book, uh, uh, lights out, uh, hmm. pride delusion and the fall of general electric, wow. which, uh, I'm excited to read, not just because my boss got it for me, but also, uh, because, um, it was written by two reporters from WSJ. And if you, uh, ever want to like guarantee that you're going to read a good book, read a book that's been written by someone from WSJ because, <laughs> and I, I, proof is in the pudding. I've read, also read uh, bad blood, which is the third, yes. which that. is excellent. Well done. Uh, and you know, based on a WSJ story. And then, uh, my favorite so far has been a billion dollar whale, mm. which is just an unbelievable story of the, uh, one MDB scandal, uh, in Malaysia. Mm. Uh, that was also, uh, uh, broken by WSJ and written by uh, one of our reporters and it's just a, it's like one of the most entertaining unbelievable books you'll ever read see who needs Goodreads who needs the app I, no, I this is my, this my human version here I got three That's more right. to add That's to the right. list no I I love it um, David Macon can't thank you enough for spending some time with us and enlightening us on uh, ad tech world where things are and where they're going uh, really excited to keep track on, on what you're doing thanks for joining us Thanks so much, Jay. I really appreciate it. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to Brand Story, Inc. We'll be back next week with another conversation digging into the ways companies are becoming like media companies. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give me a follow on Twitter at underscore Jay Sharman and on LinkedIn. LinkedIn.